the scripture together, read our text for the day. We're going to talk this morning and next week about the hallmarks of a healthy church. The hallmarks of a healthy church. And we're reading this morning from Acts 2, beginning in 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word together. You may be seated. In preparation for this message, I thought I'll do a, I'll do a single message on the subject of the hallmarks of a healthy church, but in preparation, there's no way I can do that in one message. <laughs> hallmarks of a healthy church. Have you noticed there are all kinds of churches out there? There are big churches, and there are small churches, and there are medium-sized churches, however you choose to define that. There are churches that belong to denominations or organizations, and there are churches that declare themselves to be independent. There are churches who hang their hat on what they believe or how they worship. But no matter what shingle you hang outside of a building, even if it has a pastor's name on it, come on, that was pretty good. I don't know if you noticed, they stuck my name out there. I guess I'm stuck here. The church is not a place or bricks and mortar. The church is made of people. I trust that you believe that. So if the church is made of people, how do you gain membership into the organization called the church? Jesus had a very interesting and monumental exchange with Peter and the disciples in Matthew 16. If you have your Bible, I'm reading in 13 of chapter 16 of Matthew. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Remember a few months ago we asked that question? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell 
will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus declared that on the declaration, listen, on the confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, he will build his church. The church is not built on anything but belief in the grace-bestowed salvation that is found in belief in Jesus. Can I say that again? The church is not built on anything but the grace-bestowed salvation that is found in belief in Jesus. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Entrance or membership in the church is only by one requirement, and that is salvation in Jesus. Peter's confession paves the way. You see, belief in Jesus is the solid rock that we build our lives upon. It is the gateway and the only gateway to the ecclesia, the church. This Greek word, ecclesia, is translated called out ones. It is a gathering of people that are united in purpose. The Greek ecclesia is used over 100 times in the New Testament and is translated in the English to the word church or the word assembly. Our tribe, the Church of God, has been very careful through the years to emphasize that entrance in the church is by belief in Jesus, Amen. and only belief in Jesus. One of the things that Ron and I observed coming into a church of God is that there's no membership role. <laughs> I've been a member of a few churches. My name might be still on the roll. But D.S. Warner and the other founders of the Church of God felt it was important to make sure that people did not misunderstand that their name on a membership roll did not mean that they were redeemed belief in Jesus. We talked about that extensively several weeks ago. Over the centuries, the ecclesia has developed and morphed and evolved into what we know today as the church, or more accurately, many churches. I am not going to take a lot of time this morning to quote statistics or go into the state of the church or the organizations or the denominations or any of that. Needless to say, churches are struggling in many ways. Besides the constant barrage of the attack of the enemy in this culture and in this society, the pandemic did immeasurable damage to churches, large and small. The statistics are sad and somewhat frightening, frightening, but friends, listen, we, the church, have the opportunity to impact, to impact families, to impact our community, 
to impact our world by following the leading of God to be what the church desires and glorifies Him. I want to say to you that if you look, if you make the mistake of looking at church statistics these days, we need not be discouraged because God is our head. We are built on the foundation of the person of Jesus. He is the head of the church. The very early New Testament church sets an example for us to look at in the scriptures. I want to read our text again in Acts 2. Starting in 42, they devoted themselves, say devoted. Come on, say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, every day, he said every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added, the Lord added, say the Lord added. The leaders of the church didn't add. The Lord added. I could preach there 15 minutes, but I'm not going to. Added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to the numbers of people being saved. So in this message... I want us to focus on what it looks like for a church body such as ours to exist and to function in a healthy way, in a biblical way, in a spiritual manner, in a God-honoring way. What does a healthy local body, an ecclesia, look like? What are the characteristics of a healthy local church? Number one, point one. Healthy churches are biblical churches. Healthy churches are biblical churches. The teaching of the scriptures and the things of God must be the narrative of a healthy church. Making disciples is done through the truth and the principles of the Holy Scriptures. Maturity and growth in the Christian walk can only happen in this way. The benefits of solid biblical teaching within a body include these benefits. Unity. Compassion, clarity of mission, transforming, transformed lives, Amen. transformational thought. Just as individual lives need the direction and the guidance given by God's Word, so do groups of people, churches, 
Ecclesia. <laughs> I clearly remember our first venture as a couple into a Bible preaching, Bible teaching, disciple making church. I didn't know what hit me. I said, Are you kidding me? You mean to tell me this, this book, the Bible, that really hadn't made a whole lot of sense to me, began to not only interest me, but to take root in our lives. Are you kidding me? I hadn't heard that before. I hadn't heard expository Bible preaching before. Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches follow through on the things that are taught. They embrace and enact the activities and sacraments that are meaningful, encouraging and upbuilding to the body. Things like water baptism, breaking of bread, laying on of hands and prayers for healing. Notice in verse 42 that they were devoted. Say devoted. devoted. To what? What were they devoted to? I see churches that are devoted to all kinds of different things. The early New Testament church, it says, was devoted to the teaching of the apostles. They were devoted to the teaching of the apostles. The early church was a church of disciples. Say disciples. Was a church of disciples that were devoted students. Now we don't have the apostles living today and available to guide our church, but by being committed to Scripture, we can avail ourselves of the apostles' teaching. The wisdom that they had received from God but more than simply reading and discussing Scripture, a dedication to its teaching must be present. A devotion, a dedication to the teaching of the Word of God. One of those apostles, James, puts it this way in his letter that's in our Bible. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves but paraphrased, do what it says. Do what it says, James 1.22. Listen, the whole purpose of being dedicated to God's Word isn't to be the person who knows it best or can recite more memory verses. It should be driven by a desire to apply, to apply the teachings of God to my life. To take what I learn 
from the God-ordained, the God-breathed Word that we talked about a couple of weeks ago to take what I've learned and align my life to the truth of Scripture. Alignment to the Scripture we talked about is part of the transformation, the, the personal transformation of my life. As I align myself with the scriptures that I am learning and digging into and meditating upon, my life changes and it transforms and I become more like the Master Jesus. A healthy church is a biblical, truth-focused body. May it ever be so. Secondly, healthy churches are united in relationships. In relationships. The healthy church body thrives because of the agape love that members have for one another. Look at verse 44. It says, all the believers... We're together. Somebody say together. And had everything in common. The early church spent time together. Not just the appointed times of worship and prayer. The lives of the disciples of the early church were intertwined with each other. And I think it's interesting that it says they had all things in common. The you see, the lives of all of the early church disciples that we're reading about here in Acts 2 had been impacted by the same miraculous things. They had some things in common. <laughs> the resurrection of Jesus, for example. This is a group of people that knew about the resurrection of this teacher called Jesus. And by the witness of the apostles and those that had seen him die and had seen the risen Christ, they had the resurrected Jesus in common. You and I, friends, have the resurrected Jesus in common. If we only start there, the resurrection of Jesus. They had in common, the Acts 2 church, had in common the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. They had had that experience in common. But in addition to that, in this and other passages, we find that the early church folks had attitudes of care and compassion for one another. Say one another. And that came to a point where their attitude was not one of selfish possession, but an attitude of selfless sharing. Rather than selfish possession, they had attitudes of selfless sharing. Look at verse 45. They sold property and possessions 
For what purpose? To raise the bank account? To raise their stature? No. Because they knew somebody had need. And they had a way to fill that need. Man, that goes against the society we're in, amen? <laughs> they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Friends, when fellowship deepens as a body grows, selfishness fades. And the needs of one another take priority. Notice that they were hanging out a lot, to put it in modern terms. They were hanging out a lot. Verse 46 says that they continued daily to get together in the temple courts. This Holy Spirit-fueled revival continued to spread. And folks kept getting saved and filled with the newly arrived spirit and everybody wanted more everybody was passionate about continuing to get together and be together and experience what God had for them everybody wanted more more time together more prayer more worship more fellowship more food. <laughs> Look at the last part of verse 46. It says, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now that's the church. <laughs> I found out early. Found out early that the church of God, Anderson, Indiana, loves to get together and eat. They... They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They loved being together. They were together for prayer and they were together for worship and they were together for testimony. And when folks started to get hungry, they found a member's house and raided the fridge. <laughs> Healthy churches celebrate the fellowship of the saints. Don't you love being part of the fellowship? Amen. Amen. Having a family in addition to your blood relatives? Yes. These guys are Snyders. I don't know if you recognize that I said that. These guys are Snyders and their family. Their family because we're in the Lord together. We might be blood relatives eight generations back. You think the Snyders all, I don't know. I love being part of a fellowship. Amen. We stand next to each other. Remember when we talked last week about the value of having a brother or sister to help you approve or confirm a situation or a decision? I believe that a healthy church body has folks that stand next to each other and help out one another and hurt with one another yes. and rejoice with each other 
and eat together. Yes. <laughs> healthy churches are united in healthy relationships. Say relationship. Let me say a word here. Can I pastor us for just a moment here? The relationships must be healthy, not unhealthy relationships. The relationships must be healthy, not unhealthy relationships. Listen, healthy relationships are grown when brothers and sisters draw each other closer to Jesus. As we grow closer to each other, we should be drawing and growing closer to Jesus. Are our relationships God-honoring? Do they build us up in the faith? Do they grow us in truth? Do they encourage us in righteousness? Are our relationships healthy? If they are, they're drawing us closer to God. That's the measuring stick. The measuring line, the plumb line of our relationships is, are we becoming deeper disciples because of our fellowship? You see, a healthy church is full of healthy relationships. I love being part of the body. Third, point three. Healthy churches seek God in prayer. Healthy churches are praying churches. Back to 42 in our text. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Every gathering was an opportunity to seek God together in prayer. The early church, the young babies in Jesus, learned early on that they needed to pray. I love the push mandate around here. John and Amy Joe, this church, when they talk about prayer, they use push, P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. I'm, I'm all right there. I'm all right there. Oh, that we could begin to get burdened to pray, people. I've said that when we come together, we will worship, we will learn, and we will pray. A healthy church takes their prayer life seriously. The apostles wrote frequently in their letters, encouraging disciples to be people of prayer. Hear the words of Paul in a couple of different passages here. In Ephesians 6, Paul says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this mind, be alert, and always keep praying for the Lord's people. Oh, that's good. Isn't that, isn't that rich? From Philippians 4, 
We haven't gotten there yet on Thursday nights because I go slow. But eventually we'll get to Philippians 4, Rhonda. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, don't worry about it. God's got it. Give it to him. You, you know, you read this verse, and right in the middle is this, with thanksgiving. The verse starts, do not be anxious. Any of you anxious? Ever? But in every situation, <laughs> that means the good situations and the not-so-good situations. In every situation, <laughs> in every situation, by prayer and petition, and then it says, with thanksgiving. How can I be thankful if the world is crumbling around me? How can I do that? Because I trust in the one that has it in his hands. I wasn't going to preach on this first, but this is good stuff. Don't be anxious about it. Don't worry about it. In every situation, prayer, go to the Lord, and, and by inference, get others to go to the Lord with you on that subject. How many of you love somebody praying for you? Somebody next to you that, that, that when you have a need, when you have a situation, you know that somebody's going to pray. Bonnie prayed for rain. We got rain, a little, little spicket of rain last night. Present your request to God. It's okay. He's not tired of you coming to him. One more. And again, this same theme of thanksgiving and rejoicing. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How did I do a sermon on God's will and I didn't do this verse? I missed it. Guys, you've got to work on my preparation. You've got to hold me accountable. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks to in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God teaches us that we can pray. And we can pray with confidence and with thanksgiving and, and we can walk through life's difficult situations because he's there for us. Billy Graham said, we are to pray in times of adversity lest we become faithless and unbelieving. We are to pray in times of prosperity lest we become boastful and proud. We are to pray in times of danger, lest we become fearful and doubting. We are to pray in times of security, lest we become self-sufficient. The great preacher Charles Finney said, Nothing tends more 
to cement the hearts of Christians than praying together. Never do they love one another so well as when they witness the outpouring of each other's hearts in prayer. We talked about healthy relationships. The healthiest of church relationships are God's people praying for one another. Theologian Andrew Murray says, think of what he can do and how he delights to hear the prayers of his redeemed people. Think of your place and your privilege in Christ and expect great things. Amen. A healthy body, a healthy church is a body of people dedicated to prayer. Number four. Fourthly, healthy churches passionately worship God. Again, in verses 46 and 47, they raided the fridge, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. Food was flowing and praise was rising, friends. Praise was rising. Also, earlier in verse 43 in the text, everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. What a significant statement. They were filled with awe, and I might add wonder, awe and wonder. They were in awe of the move of God that was happening through the apostles. They weren't making celebrities out of the apostles. They were in awe of what God was doing through them. They were in awe of what God was doing. Their gatherings were prayer and praise times, weren't they? Listen. God was doing great things. He was moving in the world by His Spirit. And the Spirit of God was empowering the apostles in signs and wonders. They were filled with awe because of what they saw God doing. I've got to wonder what the praise sounded like at those gatherings. Huh? There wasn't Christian radio. There wasn't media to bring the newest popular hymn or worship song. These were just these, these daily gatherings of saved people who were witnesses to the great grace and power of the Holy Spirit. And so praise rose. God was honored. That's what happens when, when witnesses share what they have seen God do. And so it should be with us. And all the more as we near the return of Christ. We witness what He is doing, and praise rises. A healthy church is a praising church. If folks can't give praise for His faithfulness, if folks can't, can't lift praise for His grace and His mercy, if folks 
If folks can't give thanks to the Lord for healing and provision, we are a sad lot. If we have to have a great song, a great singer, a great band, or even a great preacher to get some enthusiasm going, well, the old preacher would say, your wood's wet. <laughs> Told you I'm a worship guy. So I apologize in advance, but I am going to remind us frequently that our God is worthy of praise. Our God is worthy of praise. God is present, and he is glorified when we worship from our hearts. <laughs> Believe me, God knows if we're going through the motions. Wow. Don't cheat God out of any of your thanks, your praise, or your worship. He is worthy. Don't cheat. Listen, don't cheat God. Out of your praise and worship, he is worthy of it. Has he done anything for you? Huh. See, a healthy church is a praising church. A, a healthy church is a church that, that, that understands the, the, the nature of of thanksgiving and praise and worship. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I could go on a long worship rant because I think, I, I think there's, so much, there's so much benefit and so much health to passionate praise and worship. Thanksgiving more than just a holiday speaking of eating thanksgiving thanksgiving is looking at what god has done for you and expressing thanks to him for it are you in that practice do you practice that the first part of that is recognizing that it's god who's doing this stuff it's recognizing when God protects. It's recognizing when God provides. It's recognizing when God heals. It's acknowledging and giving thanks back to God for what he's done for me personally. Thanksgiving is very personal. Praise is a different thing. Praise is at a higher level. Praise... Praise is acknowledging God for his greatness and his great works, including creation. Praise is about the awesome and incredible greatness of God when you see a beautiful waterfall. I'm going to the Rockies this summer. I'm going to see the Grand Tetons. Give him praise. Amen. He's a pretty awesome God. And, and, and we praise him for, for what he has done that we can observe on a wider scale than just what he's done for me, okay? Thanksgiving, what he's done for me. Praise this wide, athletes would call it their body of work, this wide body of work that God has done. But then there's worship. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship, listen, worship is about who God is. What God has done for me, what God has, what we see that God has done on a wider scale, but what about who God is? We worship at that level because of who God is. A number of months ago, early on in my time here, I preached a message on, on, on worship. We talked about the woman at the well encountering Jesus. Remember? She said, our, uh, our forefathers worshiped on this mountain. Y'all say you got to worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus said the day has come where followers of God would worship in spirit and in truth. Worship. Worship is about who God is. Who God is. The totally faithful one. That's who God is. The unchanging one. That's who God is. The all-loving one. That's who God is. The, the, the omniscient, all-seeing one. Wow! That's who God is. We find ourselves in a place of worship. See, a healthy church is a church that passionately worships God. I'm going to kind of stop at this point because I did not have time to go into one, two, three, four, five more characteristics of a healthy church. <laughs> we'll do that next week. But, but at this point, it's worth some self-examination. It's worth, it's worth looking in the church mirror, so to speak. As the pastor of this wonderful fellowship, it's my honor and my privilege to lead us forward to seek God's direction and wisdom as we look to the future. But a starting point, listen, a starting point is making sure that we're not lacking in these areas. I've, and, and I've told so many of you how I've been blessed to step into this role in a place with so much love for each other and for the Lord. Gosh, I, I've learned to love and appreciate your love for each other and love for the Lord. I've seen it very quickly. So, so let's make sure that as we move forward, that these first four starting points, these four starting points are healthy. Dedication to biblical truth. Say okay. Unity and healthy relationships. An unrelenting prayer life and heartfelt praise and worship. Somebody say yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so, so if we if if we start and we make sure that these four characteristics are healthy, we're going to be good. I say that we're going to be healthy. We're going to be healthy as a body. Okay? Next week, 
I'm going to preach on the hallmarks of a healthy church. Healthy churches are unified. Healthy churches have servant-minded leaders. Healthy churches grow. Healthy churches give generously. And healthy churches have a missional focus. Lots of measurements of a healthy church. But if we trust God to lead us and the Holy Spirit to guide us, we will, we will continue to transform. We talked about individual transformation. There's also body transformation, group transformation that will occur. We're looking at some of those principles in Philippians as we study on Thursday night. I invite you to, I invite you to come. So sing with me. Only believe, only believe, all things are possible. Only believe, only believe, only believe, all things are possible. Only believe. Stand together, together and we'll be dismissed in prayer.